Welcome to Liberty Monks Podcast. James Mundy here with Mike Mundy. How are you doing tonight, brother Mike? Awesome is the word today. How are you, my brother? I'm good, man. Getting peppered with storms right now, so we're going to hopefully not lose internet connection. I'm going to we'll have to have my kids do a rain dance or something like that. I hear it works. But um, I'm doing great, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation tonight and to uh, interviewing our guest tonight. Susan Swift is the president of, vice president sorry, of Legal Affairs at the Right to Life League. Prior to working in pro-life, Susan served as litigation attorney uh, at a prominent international law firm in downtown Los Angeles and is the mother of seven children, which is awesome. Uh, she has dedicated her life and legal skills to be a champion in the civil rights for the unborn. And uh, Susan, a very warm welcome to Liberty Monks. Thanks so much for having me on, James and Mike. Really, it's an honor. It's a privilege to be with you. Well, the privilege Se is all ours. Seven children. And you still have your sanity? <laughs> hey, I did figure out where they come from. And right. yeah, I did it all one at a time with the same guy. So there. All right. All right. They know what causes that now. That, that's how you know that I'm stubborn. Right. I hang there. <laughs> Um, well, it's certainly a pleasure to talk to you. Um, we uh, just through uh, all the you know channels and everything, we've learned a lot about what you're doing. And we're really, really excited just to, to hear your perspective on things and to see some of the things that you've been working on. And, uh, you know, what's interesting, Mike and I, obviously, there's a lot going on in the world right now. Mike and I talk about things all the time and almost to the point where it's like, oh, my gosh, when is this faucet ever going to stop, you know, going full blast this fire hose? But, you know, it's interesting because we have this huge divide, right? And it's almost like it's divide. The divide is like everything, right? It doesn't matter. You say one thing, so that person just wants to say the other thing. And and people have stopped listening to each other. And I think it's really important. Um, yeah, it's obviously really important to hear each other out here. But this is a, the topic we're going to talk about tonight is a, is a very sensitive topic to a lot of people. And, you know, if you look at the progressive leftists stand, you know, they really, in my our, our perspective, they're not able to really win a debate of ideas because instead they change language. Right. So some examples of that would be like, you know, let's say you say election integrity. Well, they'll say it's voter suppression. Uh, it, you know, if it's a riot, it'll it'll be mostly a peaceful protest. Right? Peaceful protest. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Open border. No, it's secure border. Um it's a, if, it's, if you have a secure, uh, if they have a concerned parent at a school board meeting, it's uh, it's domestic terrorists. It's like it's like this play on words. Like uh, global warming has gone to climate change. It's almost mm -hmm. like they just decide to invent words to just fit into a category and just claim it as is, right? Or it's you know, not a Marxist, or it's not a recession. That, <laughs> All right, is, or <laughs> that is Marxist messaging. That yeah. is exactly what they do. It is. Yeah. It, they they take over. It's almost like a. Um, a capture move. You capture the language, you repurpose it for your um, narrative, and then you, you know, push it out there. It's it's a complete Marxist move. That's what they do. Yeah, right, right out of the playbook, right, right out of the playbook. Because if you start to play on words and you start getting people and bending their emotions, you can get them to believe any definition to a word that when it really isn't even to the definition. So it's it's really unbelievable to see what we're seeing in this country and the Marxist this Marxist push. Uh, that we're so feverishly fighting against uh, folks like you and many other people that we've talked to are dedicating their lives to fighting against, you know, this movement, this, this communist movement. And, um, and it's, it's, it's rampant and, you know, and kudos to people like you that are actually putting their foot down and, and holding their ground, which is what everybody needs to do right now. Everyone's doing it. Yes. Here's the thing though. Everyone, I, I believe this. Um, and, and, 
most of what the Right to Life League does is in the in the arena of civil rights and the law. Okay, mm-hmm. we are not a religious organization per se. It's not like we we are you know a church, but we do have our our own personal religious convictions. The interesting thing that I see is that God already has everyone on the battlefield exactly where he needs you to be right now. So all you have to do is stand up where you are. If you're a mom and you don't like what you're seeing at your school board, you're already right there. All you have to do is stand up and peacefully but firmly Mm -hmm. reassert natural law and also our own, you know, laws in our state to say, no, this is my parental rights. This is what I want from you, the school board. You are our servants. You are our municipal servants. You need to answer to the people. Everyone is already positioned like a, like a a great chessboard, if you will. We're already all, all we were born for this time. We were, we were formed in our mother's wombs right now to be alive at this moment in this great nation, in this epic battle for good and evil. And we're already in position. All we have to do is stand firm and speak the truth peacefully, but firmly. That's it. That's the job. It's, it really is that simple. So when people ask, what can I do? What am I supposed to do? You do what the very next thing in front of you, like, well, that's, that doesn't seem right. There you go. That's your battlefield. Yep. And you said something extremely important, a battle between good and evil. And, and I, we've talked about this too. This, this very much feels like a spiritual war and a war between good and evil. And when we're talking about the sanctity of life and we're talking about the life of a little baby, you know, that it doesn't get, it doesn't get any more important than that. To me, that is the most important possible thing that we could probably, probably possibly be fighting for. And, you know, when, even on that topic, they use words, right? They use words. Oh, it's not a baby. It's a fetus. It's well, yes. It's a clump of cells. Clump of cells. Yeah. That's even gotten further. Right. Pregnancy tissue. You know, it's the product of conception. You see, that's dehumanizing. They use dehumanizing language to take what is a biological fact. I'm not a biologist, but I'm a woman. So I do know how (laughs) just saying, okay. So it's a human being. And if I can, through manipulation of language, if I can disassociate the human nature of that thing, right? If I can say, oh, it's a thing, it's a, and use these, these narratives, these words, so that I can make you believe that, well, it's, it's not human. Therefore, it will relieve a little bit of your angst, a little bit of your fear. And you'll say, well, it's okay. I'm not really killing another person, but you are. That's right. the, that, that. And that, again, we're back to the language and what we, what we're battling. In fact, here's part of the, the difficulty with language is because of the dumbing down of our society, which has been happening through the public school system and education for 30, 40 years. I don't even think many Gen Z know what sanctity of life means. And, and I, I've been pondering this and, and I'm thinking, if we say the word sanctity of life, they're not going to understand us. What we have to do is say, that's a human being. That is a person, right? That, that is yeah. a person. So even if, even if we have to, to go one step lower and just say, okay, let's set aside the idea of sanctity, which is it has a religious feel to it or a vibe to it, right? Maybe we're not reaching it because we do believe that life is sacred. 
right? But a lot of people, a lot of, because they, they lack the education or perhaps they've never even been exposed to it, that they, they don't understand that, but they do understand this. They like to watch, you know, little videos about puppies and kitties and how wonderful that is. And it touches Mm -hmm. your heart. Right. And that's a human emotion. We have emotions. That's how we, we, we personalize things. We empathize with things, right? So personalizing that little baby in the womb, the human being, that is where we have to start to explain, well, just like you have certain inalienable rights, right? Among those being the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Most people have heard that and they kind of get it, which at least communicates, I have rights. Yeah, that's me. I have rights. Okay. You have rights and so do other people around you. We can all agree, right? Good. This little person in the womb is a human being just like you. And it also has the same rights because all we're talking about is a different point in our mutual evolution as humans, right? You started out in your mother's womb and now, you know, you're 20 something, you're 30 something. Guess what? You're not done yet. You're going to continue to evolve and you're going to grow and you're going to, you're going to change your views on, you might, you might not like scrambled eggs right now, but you know what? Maybe when you're 35, you put the right amount of salt and pepper on it. All of a sudden it starts tasting good. That's the evolution of things. And you change your views. You go through college and all of a sudden, wow, I'm thinking new things I never thought before. So this continuum of life, it begins in the womb as a very tiny human being. And we continue to grow all our lives. And I think that's where we've got to start that you are growing. You are, God's not done with you yet. You're not finished growing and neither is that little baby in the womb. And perhaps we can reach people who don't understand what sanctity of life means. It just means that's a human being that has the same rights that you have to grow, to learn, to develop and to grow old. How do do you think that, and this might be a loaded question, but how do you think they pulled this off, meaning separating the emotion and the morality of taking a human life and turning it into something where people think that it isn't. I mean, that's really what the this whole thing is about, where because you're to your point, it maybe it's the words, maybe it's the education, maybe there's a lot to this, maybe there's a lot of conditioning to this, but it just seems like there's no emotion. You can see it in their eyes when they talk so so uh aggressively about their right to have an abortion that there it's it, it just you can just read their face there is no morality there in those eyes there's no sorrow it's all it, we've seen it celebrated why would you i mean no matter what even if you do or you if you do that act shouldn't that be a sorrowful moment anyway <laughs> you know it, why would that be something that's celebrated i guess and again i hope that question makes sense sure no the the answer to your very first mm-hmm. question is how did they how did they accomplish that? One word, incrementalism. They did it in increments, all right? Mm-hmm. They started, uh, wow, at least in the 50s, when they started to separate the concept of, first of all, natural law, which is that the, the concept of natural law is that this is ordered by God, by, by, by create, 
by creation, right? Our constitution is based on natural law. That's where we get the concept of our creator made us and endowed us with certain inalienable rights. Right. That, that is the concept of natural law and our law flows from that. So they started, I believe, with the notion that there is no such thing as God. Maybe they started even yeah. earlier with the, you know, maybe, maybe there's a God, but there certainly isn't a devil or there isn't really an evil. It's relativism, the concept of relativism, because if, if we don't have a moral compass, if there really isn't such a, a thing as right and wrong, if it's all about what you feel, emotions, mm -hmm. in the moment, then you can, you can do what you want. And that started, I think, in the 50s, maybe even earlier. Maybe it was when, uh, right after World War II, right at that time, when, oh, what's the name of the school? Oh, I forgot. Um, there was a group of um, people who came from Germany, and they found it. And I, I, people are screaming that right now. I'm sure they're watching this going, I can't believe it. The, um, anyway, they formed a school in California uh, to, to basically say, all right, we're going to we are going to use progressive ideas. And it started mm -hmm. in the 40s. And that's that was the beginning of kind of the progressive movement over here in America. And it, it does separate God. It takes God out of the, the government equation in a way. And that's, I think, where you start. You do it incrementally. In, and you do it across multiple platforms, if you will. So education. Um, you don't go after the church folks first. You go into the public schools, right? Yeah. Now we're at the point in the battle where... Uh, re religion is declining overall, right? There are fewer and yeah. fewer young people are going to church. Well, why? What happened? What was the generation? Was it the was it the boomers or was it the you know the Gen X? Who was it? But that you know that group of people who didn't pass along the values and what we were learned, right? What what we were taught, right? Where was yeah. that? The breakdown of society is done in incremental ways and justifying. Well, now you know you don't really have to go to church because church is all about you and, and what you feel. No, it's not. Church is about going to thank the creator to, to worship him in his house. And if you, if you can tell somebody, well, no, you don't really have to go to church ever. You don't, it, but that was something that, that God asked us to do. Please come check mm -hmm. in with me for chicken dinner every Sunday. Just come over. It's like visiting your mom, right? Bring right. your laundry. I will, I'll clean you up. I'll give you a good wash down and I'll feed you come back next week. But we're, we're letting that go. We're not saying that's important anymore. So th this is a very macro view, but when you can yeah. start breaking down a, a society along these values and, and divorcing natural law from governing law, when you can divorce the notion of uh, sex from procreation, right? Because that was a huge push in the sixties, the pill, which is mm -hmm. it, it's sold as a liberation for women, but actually it turns out to really be a form of slavery for women because now women are, are objectified as sexual objects. They're, they're not um, really revered as the partner of creation with God, because that's what women do. They, they, they create new life and that is the only way it happens. But now we're, yeah. we're separating that and, and it just continues to, to go like that. So that, now women are much more, I guess, objectified as just an, uh, they're, they're, and they're assumed to be 
the same as a man when they are not the same as a man. I would say they're superior. Okay. If we want to go, if we want to go all feminist, right? Because we have, we hold the power of creation and we should be using discernment and judgment when we bestow that creative power. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a responsibility. That is our sacred responsibility. But of course, if you can, if you can separate that and say, well, no, it's just all about my own personal self-satisfaction, right? And I don't owe anything to society or anybody else. I don't owe anything to a partner and it doesn't matter what I do with my body, my body, my choice. There you go. That's how we get there. Because all of a sudden now I have the right, whatever that means. You, You don't have a right without a responsibility, by the way. You just don't. But if I can, if I can separate those things so that now all we're trying to do is we're going to sell the idea of you go out and you just enjoy yourself sexually and don't worry about any Mm -hmm. consequences or anything or any Mm -hmm. responsibilities, anything. That's how we get to where we are. And, and it's, it's not a, it's not the, the idea that women are somehow enslaved or burdened by their fertility is so 180 degrees around from the truth. What women should be shouting or let's say celebrating is their fertility. And that's been lost in this conversation. We should be saying, uh, protect your fertility, cherish. Um, It is precious. Your fertility is precious because as you know, look, the global birth rate around the world, I mean, it's it's declining. Nobody knows why, right? And in part, abortion is part of it. Maybe uh, hormone therapy is another part of it. I don't know. Who knows? GMO foods. I don't know all of the, I, I don't know all the reasons, but it, it could also be connected to this global idea of, of split, separating uh, fecundity, fertility from mm-hmm. the sexual act so that you're, you're, you're dividing those two. And now we're having, we're having women who are the the givers of life, the bringers of life into the world, right? We deliver life into the world. We're celebrating the death of babies. We're screaming our abortion instead of saying, Oh no, I protect my fertility. I, it is precious to me and I'm going to guard it. And I'm going to make sure that when I do choose to bestow that fertility on any man, he's going to be around in my life. And he is going to be worth it, and because I'm worth it, and and that's that's an elevation of what uh, femininity truly should be, but is not. Anyway, long answer. It's yeah. incremental, and it's gone across many many platforms, and that is how we win our culture back incrementally to reteach the things that have been lost. That you, as an individual, are valuable. You are made by the hand of God, and you start. Everyone starts in the same location in your mother's womb, and life is precious. It is to be valued. Fertility is precious. It is to be guarded because guess what? It comes and goes, and someday it's all over, and you never will ever have another baby again. No matter what you do, it applies to men as well. At a certain point, sure. it doesn't matter. It does not matter. You will never be able to have another son or another daughter. Because that just, it, there's a time for every season under heaven, right? And so your fertility as a man is very, very valuable. And you should guard it and protect it as well as should females. Because that is a special, it's a, it, it, procreation is a gift. But we don't value that. We're all shouting yeah. our abortions. We need to pr- protect our procreation. Well, is, is, the, uh, is the practice of not even defining what a woman is part of that taking away the fertility? 
It must yeah, be. Right? Obviously, yeah. right? Yeah. Because, you know, if I don't know what a, a woman is, if I've got to go check with a biologist, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what to tell you there. That 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 is a that's a word game. That's a word game. If yeah. if you don't know what a if you don't know what a woman is by now, I can't help you. Your problems are real. <laughs> Um, you know, and the, the other thing that pops in my head, just as we're talking about this is, you know, you see a lot of moms that they're single moms and this is a tough world, especially, especially with how the monetary system is. Hang on, I'm having how, a problem oh, here. Hang on. Hang yeah. On, no worries. Take your time. I'm sending it to voicemail. I hope we get back. Are you still there? Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We're here. Sorry, I don't know what that happened, but I'm back. I apologize. No worries. No worries at all. I didn't even notice anything. Um, okay. but what, what I was saying is that, you know, you see a lot of single mothers, you see a lot of men that do not hold up their end of the responsibility to your point, responsibility, accountability. Do you think yep. the lack of holding both parties, especially men, I would say accountable to the outcome of having you know, uh, in, in, in sex with a, with a woman and, and producing a baby. Do you think that has something to do with, with women and how they view this now? Because absolutely. I mean, look, the, a lot of men have abandoned their oh, yeah. role in society. They are supposed to be protectors. They're supposed to be leaders. They're supposed to shield and protect and provide. That's one of your jobs. If you're going yeah. to, if you're going to create the next generation, well, you've got to create for them. Right. You, you, you're not just you can't just just enjoy yourself and use this sexual object called a woman to just like hook up with. That's right. that that is an abuse of your own responsibility and your own pro, procreative forces. Right. You're supposed to man up. For goodness right. sakes. Look, you know what? You know what? You don't even need to change one woman's mind in this nation to end abortion forever. All you have to do is talk to the men and say, you know what? Keep it zipped. That's it. That's that's your job. If you don't want if you don't want to have to partner with this woman for the rest of your life or pay her uh, child yep. support or anything else. Right. If you're come, if you for, for goodness sakes, these men are comfortable with giving the power of life and death over their baby, over their son, their daughter. They're going to hand it over to this woman after a couple of drinks in a bar. That's a big problem. That right there is the problem. Men can solve abortion all by themselves. They can just say, I choose not to create a child with this woman. Not today. Maybe we'll do it down in the future. We're going to, I need to be much more discerning in what I'm going to be doing with my life because I don't know if I want to combine my life with this woman. I mean, his fertility is a gift as well. Do you want to bestow that upon a woman and have her turn, trash it, throw it in the trash, yeah. literally like flush it down the toilet or throw it in the trash? Because what you're giving a woman is is the gift of life as well, and and yet men do not value that. It is much more of a a car. I know probably men have a maybe a, a harder um, you know cross to bear, if you will, and maybe because physically it's just more of a challenge. But that's why we really need disciplined young men. That's why fathers should be educating their sons that from you know ten years old and and maybe younger and just saying son this is what it means to be a man and to be disciplined in your own self and so that you don't end up having to you know be the the, the father of a child that you can't even see because you know she she's now decided that she's going to raise the child away from you you guys aren't even married and she can move to another state and, and and basically get your money and raise your kid the way she wants to and you don't have any input in that well that was your choice that was your choice after the third drink. That's when you made that choice. So we can stop this today by, by really reclaiming the, the way that we teach our youth, our children, yeah. and saying, how, what a precious gift you are. 
And you have the ability to partner with God to transmit life to a woman. And she can give you that gift back. And then together you create this, this amazing new human being, just like you started. I can give that to you. But you can't do it out of, out of a selfish need for gratification. It, it, has to be, it has to be grounded in, in principles, in faith principles is best. But even if it's not in faith, you have to say for, for, a, for a better society, you can't just keep thinking about your immediate self. And is this feeling good for me right now in the moment? You have to say, what are the effects on other people? What's the effect on this woman? right? Am I going to abandon her? She's going to have to be pregnant for nine months or, or I'm, am I just going to help her throw some money at Planned Parenthood and just kill this baby? Because those are your choices, right? Or do I really want to create a life and a family? If you want to, that's wonderful. There's actually a proven process for making that happen. And, and that the wisdom has gone back as, as far as we can reach back in history. That usually is through marriage, through, through family communities that are built um, around the notion that there a man and a woman come together to create a family, to create a community. And there's a, a basically a safety net there. And that's, that's the best thing for the baby. It's the best thing for the, the mom and the dad together if they can make that work. But we're, again, incrementally, we have divorced that concept of responsibility and shared uh, cultural support. We've, mm -hmm. we've divorced that from just the sexual act and the sexual need. And that's, that's you know, that, that's a play on just the carnality of it, the lust. And that, that's always going to be there. But, you know, talk to any 15 or 16 year old. I mean, that's a natural urge. And that's why we we need to do a better job as parents to communicate that, to, to discipline ourselves. And again, we could end, we can end abortion tonight, right? We don't ever mm -hmm. have to have it ever again. If young men would step up and say, yeah, this is, I want to protect myself against that crazy woman <laughs> that's going to, that's going to grab me in a bar. And then nine months later, force me to like, you know, give her alimony or, you know, paternity payments until I don't know, for 20 years. Right. It's up to you guys, too. Well, you you used a very key phrase a minute ago that just kind of popped uh, uh, for me. You said, hey, you know, you, men need to man up. Right. What's interesting about that is men do man up, but there might we might have just defined the distinct difference between a man and an adult male. And a male. Yep. Right. Because male. just because somebody's an adult male, right. Does that really make him a man? Because men do protect men do answer the bell, right? This is what we're, we're designed to do that. I know you feel people, you feel it, right? Uh, you're hardwired to be right. heroes. You're hardwired to protect. It's something that's innate in most men. It, it You are. And that is why actually they're, they're just the most singular, interesting creation, I think, on, on earth, because you guys can rise to that challenge that the courage that you have to go into battle, whether it's real physical in your face battle or actually stand on a, an ideological battlefield, you have the courage and sometimes the ability that women just don't have. It, it, it is a glorious thing to see. It's it it just uh, it just gives me shivers because all of a sudden we start going Ooh, I, I, I think I'm fixing to love it. <laughs> Ooh, a man in uniform. Ooh. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. But, but any hero. I mean, really, truly, yeah. when you see when you see a man like in front of the school board advocating for his children, yeah. you're like, okay, I want that one. Yes, that's the kind of man I want. That's true. That manning up and being a man and a father to protect your community. It's not just 
it's not just one-on-one it's also for your community right you can you can be a man and protect your your community and the larger family as well you don't have to just be a father right it's not just fathers Mm -hmm. who are heroes every man can do this but it does require that courage and it's training and it's it's to take that risk and to be brave and to face the unknown with courage and that there's just nothing like it. It it makes men that that's the masculine part of kind of a magical, masculine, very attractive uh, thing that that's, that's the alpha male. Plenty of beta males. And you you can sense it as a woman. You go, Oh yeah, that that, that there's a beta. (laughs) I I think you just uh, define toxic masculinity, right? Well, that was what I was going to say, because this is this is that that's the phrase, right? Maybe that's out of the Marxist playbook, too, Susan, because they, oh, of course it is. You know, they're, they're just hammering. Toxic. Yeah. Oh, you're a toxic male. You have toxic um, testosterone and all this stuff. It's like, wait a minute. You know, it's called an aphrodisiac. That's what that is. All right. Testosterone <laughs> and, and the, the toxic. Oh, no, no, no. Alpha male. That's what we want. Yeah. That is, we want leaders. We want courage. Now, that's not bullying. Sure. That, that's not a bully. That is not a domineering, abusive bully. That that's those are those are betas. Those are these. They're fraidy cats. They're 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 nervous people who just they think they have to control a woman and grab her by the throat. No 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 no. That's right. those are betas. The true alpha. They they are kind. They are wonderful. They are very firm and they take charge and they are leadership and they protect and they they also respect their their partner, the woman. They say yeah, whatever mama wants, that's what's going to happen. It might not exactly happen the way she wants it, but by God, at the end of the day, that's just mm-hmm. how it's going to happen. So all of you guys get in here, clean up your dishes. I don't care. Fix the room, whatever it is. He steps up to make yep. sure that the, the mother's wish is observed. And he, he'll just say, honey, you know, uh, why don't you go just drive to the store, get whatever, you know, go do your nails, whatever. And uh, when you come back, this is all going to be fine. So you let them do that. That, But that's an alpha, the true. And that if it's toxic max, masculinity, I'm telling you, that is the aphrodisiac. And that is exactly what most women want. They want a protector. They want somebody yeah. who will lead and cherish them and protect them. But again, the Marxists want to call that toxic mm-hmm. masculinity because they want that to go away. Because if if we could get rid of the, the masculine leaders in our culture, what do we have left? Well, we have angry feminists, right, who are screaming their abortion all day long. And that is how you destabilize an entire society. And that is the way that you make America dependent upon a big government, like a global government, right? If you don't, if you can, if you can interrupt independent um, leadership, right, independence from government, I, I am on my own, I have my own business, I'm doing what I need to do, and I don't need to depend on anybody else. That's that's almost a biological part of, of Americans' DNA, right? That's something mm-hmm. that everyone who came here really wanted to do, whether you came here 200 years ago or 20 years ago, they came to be self-reliant. And if you can interrupt that self-reliant gene by calling it toxic masculinity for attacking men just because they're men, because they're doing a good job of, of, of shepherding, of, of loving, of protecting, of defending, right? If yeah. you can erase that, you're going to have fewer and fewer children who then learn how to be independent leaders and to not rely on government. And who wins? The government. Government gets bigger and bigger. And pretty yeah. soon we're all in one big global order. Yeah. And you mentioned, um, you know, the, just how, how frequent the abortions happen now and just the, just the desensitivity to taking life away. What do you think, 
um, just in all your work and all your experience at this point, what do you think the real driving force is behind this abortion movement? What do you think the real force, the driving force is? I think it's money. I think that um, it's the, someone else called it the abortion cartel and I forgot who it was, but it's a great mm -hmm. word. It's an abortion cartel. Um, they have figured out the, I, I'm going to say they are the pro-abort ideologues. Okay. Not, okay. not most people, but the ideologues are doing is this is a way, look, abortion is one form of population control. We know that mm -hmm. Margaret Sanger was uh, the founder of Planned Parenthood. She was an avowed white supremacist. She yeah. started what she called, and I'm quoting, the Negro Project to educate black women about the need for abortifacients and contraceptives. And she sold it to them, telling them that their lives would be better if they had fewer children. But in reality, she wanted the, the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant race to flourish and she wanted to suppress Blacks, Browns, and Catholics. Those were the minorities at the time in, okay. in her world. She was a fan of eugenics. I have heard from another source, and I can't recall who, that she was actually a paramour of Hitler. So and she, she did admire his work. So that, that's, the, that's the founder of Planned Parenthood. They finally admitted that in 2019 and then tried to pivot away from that and said, well, we don't hear your vision, something like that. But they, they know who she was. And that's why Planned Parenthood has a very disparate racial impact. And by that, I mean, they put their clinics in high minority, poor areas of cities, and that's their target um, population. They market to young women of color because their, I believe their, their ideology coming from Margaret Sanger is one of population control of, you know, minorities. That's what they want. They want to terminate children of color. And that, and it, it just, and that's and just that's, the way it and that's the community that affects the most, right? It's, it's absolutely the yes. community that affects the most. And to your point, they, you know, Margaret Sanger, I mean, I've seen, I've seen the quotes and everything and all the things that have come across and her intent on mm -hmm. eliminating the black community, you know, I mean, they, they're just literally in her words, right? So yeah. why, she, what would she call them human weeds? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Some, it's just yeah. awful. Human just an awful person. Have, have been, she said they, they're human weeds. Uh, who had ne should never have been born. That's, Whoa. I mean, that's like the most, I mean, talk about the most racist comment maybe yeah. ever uttered out of somebody's mouth, right? I mean, an but, entire hey, community of said, people. She said the quiet part out loud. Yeah, she did. That's what she did. That's Planned Parenthood's so, founder said so the quiet what? part out loud, and that is why they continue to advance it. So to get right. back to your original question, who's doing it? It's the, the abortion cartel, and it is big, huge money. Because, well, just I'll give you an example in mm -hmm. California, what's happening here. We are about to pass uh, SB 1142. Senate Bill 1142 is the abortion vacation bill, the abortion tourism bill. It is a massive bill where what, what California is going to do is spend taxpayers' money against my will, but hey, hey, you know, representative government, they're going to take all our taxpayers' money and they're going to spend it on flying women in from all the other 50 states, creating an abortion okay. hub here in California that the website's already being built. So you can just go on, type in, you know, get your free abortion, California today, whatever it is, bam. And then they will plan your travel. They will plan your hotel, your lodging. This is all free, paid for by the, by, you know, you and me, right? So hotel, uh, lo the lodging, the um, airfare, the lost wages. So you can take two weeks off, right? Come on out here. They even pay for child care. 
Yes, childcare. So just bring the kids that you want to keep with you because oh, when you get here, you can abort their sibling and, and you get to, and they're even going to have like abortion doulas, you know, kind of pick you up at the airport, make sure you don't see any of those nasty, you know, pro-life handmaids and whisk you away to the special, you know, location where they're going to keep you all secret until you can get into the abortion clinic. They give you your abortion for free, not even a copay. They help you handle any kind of insurance issues from any other state. All of it is free, 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 just for you and your unborn baby. And the only thing that's missing are tickets to Disneyland. I kid you not. That is actually what SB 1142 is doing. All right. And they're not just using California taxpayer dollars. Here's how that's happening. Under the Biden administration, Biden uh, sent a blue state bailout money to all of the blue states recently. And what that did in California is it swelled our state surplus to something like close to $100 billion, B with a Biden B, right? Okay, so we got about $100 billion out, out here in California, a surplus. And that's where we've got all the money to spend on all of these abortion things, right? So the, the money has come not just out of California, but it's coming out of Texas. It's coming out of, you know, Georgia and Mississippi and Alabama and, and any of the other pro-life states. The taxes from those pro-life states have been laundered through the federal government and then shunted out over into the blue state bailouts so that your money is going to be helping abort babies in California. And the, the goal of the future of abortion recommendations, because that's Planned Parenthood, NARAL, and this whole group of this, this abortion cartel, got together back in December last year and with, worked with Governor Newsom to come up with the future of abortion recommendations. And they have specific um, desires for legislation and that's exactly what they moved on. And that is exactly what's about to be passed in Sacramento in probably the next two weeks or so. And it'll go on to the governor's desk and there's a ton of bills. It's been, as you said, it's like drinking from a fire hose. That's the, mm -hmm. the level of insanity of pro-abortion bills. They prevent uh, police officers from investigating uh, the death of a newborn baby, born alive and, and, and who has died sometime after birth. Can't investigate that. That's uh, AB 22. Can't investigate the death of a newborn baby. No, and that's AB 2223. There's another bill too. I think it, it's a new one. It is, uh, I think it's AB 657. There was another one that specifically said that police officers cannot arrest um, Gosh, I have to have my notes. Um, they, they cannot uh, arrest, they, they cannot enforce other valid court orders that are issued in, uh, you know, in other state courts and sent to California to go, I don't know, arrest somebody or, you know, like I, kind of, I guess, like um, along the lines of a bounty. Uh, but, but a police officer, a peace officer in California cannot execute those valid orders from other states because if it has anything to do with abortion. So it, it, they're oh really, they're, they're doing everything they can, but I'll get back to AB 2223. Mm -hmm. It is called the infanticide bill. Um, um, I have also called it uh, Buffy's baby slayer bill because the author, Assemblywoman Buffy Wicks is the author. She, she didn't Buffy. write the bill. Yeah, Buffy, but her name is Buffy, truly. Could Buffy make this Buffy. up. No, you can't even make this stuff up. So I've called it Buffy's Baby Slayer Bill. Here's why. AB 2223 was not written by Buffy Wicks. She doesn't even really know what's in it. I can, I'll can, i send you video proving it, okay? But what she did is obviously Planned Parenthood and the ACLU got together, wrote this bill. AB 2223 effectively 
legalizes infanticide, here's how they do it. What it does is it strips out the, the duty of a coroner to investigate the, the death of a baby, makes it kind of optional, allows the coroner to just rely on any doctor who says, well, um, it was due to, the cause of baby's death was due to causes that occurred in utero whatever that means, not defined. The bill specifically says that the spin of the bill is that we want to protect women uh, from prosecution for pregnancy loss, because that sounds sad, doesn't it? To your point about the Marxist wording, exactly. pregnancy loss, what does that mean? Well, pregnancy loss is miscarriage, uh, is stillbirth. Those happen naturally mm -hmm. in the course of a pregnancy sometimes, and it's very sad when it does. Um, and it also happens, uh, you know, sometimes if you're causing it, that would be called an abortion, right? So there's stillbirth, there's uh, miscarriage, and there's abortion. Um, and then they added a fourth category, which is perinatal death due to causes that occur in utero. Okay, well, what does that mean? Perinatal death means after the baby is born. Prenatal is before birth. Peri natal is after birth so after a baby is born alive breathing out of the womb right and the baby dies ab 2223 forbids anyone from investigating the cause of that baby's death and it also shields where the mother intended the the, the consequence and that's the pregnant person's desired pregnancy outcome See that language there? Oh <laughs> the pregnant person is also known as the mom. And when the mom wants a certain pregnancy outcome, that means death. I mean, a pregnancy outcome is either a live birth or a dead baby, one or the other, right? So if she desires a pregnancy outcome that would include like abortion, something like that, a dead baby, if there's say, let's say a, a botched abortion. So she's uh, had a chemical or a surgical abortion and the baby is born alive. It is now surviving and separate and out from the mother, right? Well, this bill would prevent investigation of why that baby died after delivery up to at least maybe up to as long as 28 days. So everybody could just like Gov Governor Northam of Virginia has suggested, well, we could all just uh, lay the baby there on the table and we could consider what are we going to do at this point? Well, we'll just keep it comfortable and then allow that baby to die. And no one will be able to investigate this because what happens, AB 2223 protects the mother so long as that she has given consent for whatever happened, she's protected from any invest investigation and a second category, anyone who aids or assists her in her chosen pregnancy outcome is also shielded from investigation. So that. It's abortionists, uh, midwives, uh, nurses, the, the lady next door with a coat hanger. I'm being graphic because I'm making a point, uh, but it's any, you know, the neighbor who gives you abortion pills, right? From China, right? Whatever it is, you cannot investigate them either. And if you do, then there is a, a civil, uh, it, it, there's a private cause of action kind of designed a little bit like Texas has created a private cause of action to go after abortionists. Well, AB 2223 has a private cause of action that permits a lawsuit against anyone who investigates. So the mother can bring the, the, the lawsuit or anyone who aids or assists her can bring a lawsuit against that person who is even threatening 
investigation. So it could be the police, could be uh, maybe a first responder, could be maybe a mandated reporter, could be the neighbor next door that's saying, you know, this baby's starving to death, who knows, right? And if you are threatening investigation, it automatically triggers a civil procedures 52.1, which is the magic code that says you have a cause of action and your damages are starting at $25,000 plus attorney's fees. So what that's going to do, the practical effect is nobody is going to care when they show up and there's a dead baby in the trash. Because that's pure insanity. Say, they just said, well, the baby, died, you know, is it, it, it just died uh, due to causes that occur in utero. Well, what does that mean? Uh, we don't know. It's not defined in the bill. It could be. Look, do you know what occurs in utero? conception. Do you know what else occurs in utero? Genetics like downs. Mm, you know what else occurs in utero? The, the, in, the, the inner triggering of delivery. Nobody understands exactly how that happens, but after about, you know, 40 weeks, right in there, 38 to 40 weeks, something magical happens and, and tells the woman's body, it's time to push this thing out, this bowling ball, got to get rid of it, right? Mm -hmm. Boom. So delivery itself, is something that happens in utero. Hey, the cord around the neck is in utero. Yeah. Anything can be in utero. So can abortion pills, right? When you take the chemical protocol of, of the abortion pill, that there are two pills. You take one, which um, it's called mifeprex, and it interferes with the, the, the hormone progesterone, which is the thing that supports the pregnancy, it supports the placenta, so that the baby is getting nutrients, right? So literally, mifeprex starves the baby to death, and then you take a second pill, which triggers, um, it's called misoprostol, misoprostol. I always get that one mixed up, but it's misoprostol. That triggers uterine cramping and to deliver the baby. That's what a chemical abortion is. It's two steps over two or three days like that. So that's in utero, is it not? Of course it is. Mm -hmm. And babies sometimes survive chemical, botched chemical abortions. You also know that what happens in utero? Well, uh, you know, surgical abortions. And that's a very fancy word of saying, I stuck metal things in, in with teeth up in there and tore off baby's legs and arms and crushed its skull. Well, if you botch that, sometimes the baby is born alive, missing a limb, things that like that there are abortion survivors. Well, if that baby was intended to be dead, the mother's intent, right? The pregnancy outcome, the desired pregnancy outcome is for that baby to have died in utero well, so why don't we just let it bleed to death on the table? And who's going to investigate? Who? No one. No one will. Because if they investigate, they are subject to a lawsuit for $25,000 plus attorney's fees. There you and go. What, That's and what's going to What's going to be an amazing side effect is that uh, California will become the epicenter of baby organ harvesting. Right? Oh, yeah, 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 it already is. That, that, that's yeah. the whole perp. That's what I think is getting back to the abortion cartel. I think that's why they want to do this. They're not only getting taxpayer dollars to import. It's almost like they're, they're bringing in women as pregnancy mules, right? They're going to import yeah. them across state lines, bring them in. They're going to harvest these baby organs like they're doing at, what is it, UCI, UC Riverside. They're going to be taking the baby body parts and selling them, just like David Daleiden exposed in his videos, right? And everybody profits. This is tons and tons of money. And they can also, at the same time, sell all of the abortifacient, uh, you know, the, the RU-46, the abortion pill, right? The misoprexin, misoprostol. They can sell those things. This is all about making money from the death of babies because the babies cannot speak for themselves. And, the and what we're marketing to are mothers. And how are we marketing to it? They, they're marketing with fear. 
absolute fear and say, you will never, you'll, you're going to not have an education. You're not going to have a, a life that you wanted, that you deserved. You're never going to have your SUV, whatever it is. They're scaring women to death. That's why the, the, the misinformation that they're getting out right now is telling you, you don't have a right to abortion. They're going to force you to be pregnant and you could die. That's the kind of lies that they're selling. Yeah. They're, they're absolutely which, hap- which they, happens, but it doesn't happen very often. It happens incredibly rarely. And there is yeah. no state in the nation that forces a woman to get pregnant or to stay pregnant where yeah. the where the pregnancy itself actually threatens the woman's like life. Atopical or something like that. Yeah, ectopic. There's in every in every pro-life state that has enacted restrictions on abortion, every one of them have the the specific, you know, for the life of the mother. There is yeah, there there is right. never there is not a law that says yes a woman has to stay pregnant when it's going to kill her. That's just one of these lies that they sell because they want to frighten you because they want again what they, what do they really want? They don't want safe, legal, and rare. That was a lie. That was the that was the incrementalism they used way back in the seventies. It's safe, legal, and rare abortions. What they want is abortion on demand without excuse, without apology, up to delivery and beyond AB 22, 23. They want to be able to dispose of that baby. Actually, and getting back to your point, I think it was James, um, the organ harvesting, it's got to be fresh. You have to, you have to actually uh, sometimes deliver the baby. That's why they deliver the baby at, you know, before 20 weeks and, and it dies and they harvest the, the, especially the, uh, kidneys and a couple of other things they want they want it as fresh as they can when they have fresh blood in the baby still in the baby parts so they really do want uh i think they want to deliver that baby alive so that then they can uh, sell the body parts that's one of the other aspects of this abortion why why is that why is that useful for people what what do they do with these organs they sell it for research um they sell it the the body parts for i mean you know you've got all this these little tiny body parts that can be used in scientific things the people that know a little bit more about it of course david delayden but also Mm -hmm. pro-life sf pro-life san francisco they've been very active in shutting that down but they're they they use these body parts for all kinds of scientific uh, uses and, and, you know, like they, they, one of the things is they might be trying to solve things like cancer or maybe things like Alzheimer's using uh, fetal tissue, fetal uh, stem cells, mm-hmm. things like that. So I don't know what they use all of the parts for, but they're obviously yeah. harvesting them. This, look, this is like what China does. Yeah, right. right. You grab some guy, some hapless Chinese guy, yep. throw him on a table, take out his kidneys, and then you just let him die. Except yep. we get to do it under color of law to unborn human beings out of the womb. We just harvest the, the womb is becoming a harvesting ground. So it's not only benefiting for population control because we can manage how many, again, back to Margaret Sanger, how many blacks, browns, and Catholics we're allowing to live. We can we're turning them into a crop to harvest them and get and use their organs for whatever crazy scientific proposals that these these companies want. That no that is literally happening and we're getting the taxpayers to pay for it to avoid the Hyde amendment by blue state bailout send the money to places like california and other places who will use the money to uh to fund this type of you know the abortion mules bring them across state lines we'll make a national hub here the abortion sanctuary state we'll get them all in here and we'll give them free everything we'll treat them like queens probably even give them many petties pretty soon right and in the meantime we get to harvest their babies and use the baby parts. I mean, it's almost like out of the old movie Soylent Green. James might know that one, where you know human oh, yeah. humans are, are used as food. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying that you're that we're using baby parts right. as food, but 
basically with their older movies that were the kind of horror oh, yeah. movies, science, sci-fi horror that's saying, oh my gosh, they're, they're taking our bodies and they're repurposing it for an evil intent to feed us our own bodies. Well, we're taking baby parts and we're using it in scientific experiments. Why? Right? <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's sick when you think about it and it's massive and it's a whole lot of money. So why are they doing it? I think two reasons, money, control, and, you know, and the population management. Those are what I believe is, is going on. So this is a battle of, of good versus evil. Because I think to me, in my moral construct, that's evil to take baby body parts and, and experiment and sell them. That's, well, that's, I mean, and, and babies are completely defenseless. So that is the so most no purest way. form of evil that I think that exists because yep. that little baby, that little soul is defenseless. Right. You're, you're, so, you can't obtain informed consent from a baby in the womb. No. The end. You can't. But yet we're allowed to do things to it and with it that because we are allowing the mother to make that decision for her child, not based on her um or the life of her, her, you know, her own life. This is, these are outside the, I think the, um, the rates of like ectopic pregnancies and mm -hmm. true um, pregnancies that actually threaten the life of the mother. I think they're around 1%. They're very, very few. Most abortions are, um, are for, for the convenience or uh, basically because mothers say, well, I can't afford it right now. Right. Uh, there's a stat statistics out of, of Florida that su suggest something like over 80% are just like, I really can't afford it right now. Uh, it's got nothing to do with the genetics of it. It's just right. like, well, this is a bad time and I really can't afford it. And here we are the richest nation in the entire world. Like California's got a hundred billion dollars. Right. And our, our federal government, we're sending out what 80 billion over to Ukraine every two mm -hmm. weeks, <laughs> something insane like that. I can't even keep up. Right? right. But yet we have women who are in poverty, who are so desperate and they're young and they, they don't know what to do. And they're choosing oh. abortion. This is out of the Guttmacher Institute. They have a, that was a two, 2014 um, study that, that basically said, yeah, the reason why uh, I think it's 75% of women who are choosing abortion are below the 2% poverty line. And overwhelmingly, the majority of those are choosing abortion, not because they want to, but because they feel like they have no other option. That is a tragedy. It is so a tragedy. Are, yeah. These are tragedy. women who are vulnerable. They're We're, maybe alone. They're, they're, they have to choose between rent, maybe, you know, food for their other kids. And they're like, you know what? And so what is the abortion cartel offering them? Mm -hmm. A quick fix. Come on in, give you a free everything, tune up, you know. Maybe throw in a bonus tummy tuck. Who knows? Hey, tie your tubes and we'll give you a special. Who knows what they do, right? And so that's what that's what we are selling to these mostly minority poor women, blacks, browns in, in cities, right? And we're taking and we're harvesting their babies. We're solving them a problem, right? All for free. It doesn't solve their poverty. It doesn't no. solve their need for housing. It doesn't solve their need for a job or job training. Or maybe they need, you know, legal uh, help because maybe they they had a problem in their life or maybe they got an abusive partner or or maybe they they have a DUI on the record so they can't drive to go get work whatever it is right we're not serving them we're not helping them no. we're just solving this immediate problem and then you know three months later she might just be right back right so that this is this is like a crop and it, I think it's just it's it's horrific we should we have the means to help these women to lift them out of their circumstance and to partner with them and if i can give a plug that's exactly yeah. the right to life league does through its member 
pro-life clinics, centers, and homes all up and down California. Because these pro-life organizations, they're, they're medical clinics. They will give you free ultrasound. They will give you free STI testing uh, so that you can, you know, get, get anything you need there like the like for ultrasound testing, you need to know your gestational age. You, know, you need to know exactly how mm-hmm. you think maybe it's eight weeks. Well, no, it's actually 10. So they will give you that for free. That's something that Planned Parenthood charges for if you want to keep your baby. So you can, you can get it free if you want an abortion over at Planned Parenthood, but you wow. can't get it for free uh, if you want to keep your baby. They charge you. But at all, all, all the, the pro-life clinics, everything is free. They, oh they give you free ultrasound. They give you, uh, you know, STI testings, anything they can. And they, they try to counsel you and say, hey, w- there are other options other than abortions. Yeah. You're free to go and get an abortion. We don't do them here. But let me talk to you about your other options. And those type of clinics are called by our, by our, um, our California state legislature. This is AB 2586. They just modified this bill slightly. But the original draft called those fake clinics and centers fake, fake, call them fake because they won't perform abortions. Oh my God. So yeah, that, that's, that's the battle that we're in. And, and what we at the league do to make sure that these pro-life clinics, these centers and these maternity homes can stay open, keep their doors open and keep ministering to women and giving them these free services. What we do is we make sure that they have the training and kind of like HR training, admin training, um, medical compliance. Like we can say, look, these are the different documents you have to file with the state since you keep your doors open. Because if you blow one of these, guess what? The state will come and say, I'm sorry, you need to be shut down. We're going to have to do an inspection in about 18 months, right? They, they can, you're very vulnerable if you are a clinic that you know have, has lapsed on your medical license, or if you're Uh, your clinic as the corporation has not done the correct filings with the state. Sometimes it's as simple as just knowing um, things like the employment law in California. And what, when you go to, you know, hire somebody, well, what can you ask and what can't you ask? And if you blow that, then you can, you know, be vulnerable to an employment lawsuit, right? These are all the type of things that, that clinics really need help with. And that's what the right to life league does. We educate, we train, we help them in those services. We provide other things for them if they need it. Like we'll, we'll provide funding. We'll get them an ultrasound machine if that's what they need. Sometimes it's like, I just need a printer. It's like, okay, let's get on Amazon. We'll just send you one, whatever it is, what, whatever they need to keep their doors open. That's what the Right to Life League does in California. In addition to wow. fighting these bad bills, that's why I go up and, and um, you know, respectfully tell these legislators that they shouldn't do what they're doing. And we also educate the public about the truth of abortion. Those are the, our three kind of mission fields. And that's what we do in California. There is no other organization that I know of nationwide that does what we do. And we're doing it in California, which is the tip of the spear. So if you wow. really want to know, OK, this yeah. is the battlefield. If you really want to know, if you want to send bullets for that battle, figuratively speaking, of course, right? If you want to, if you really want to make sure that your money is going to actually help pro-life clinics, centers, and homes in California where they're under siege, that's what the Right to Life League does. And we would appreciate anybody who wants to, hey, give us a, you know, $5 a month, you know, instead of giving it to woke Starbucks, maybe you could just, you know, drop some on uh, the Right to Life League. You just go to Right to Life League, all spelled out, Right to Life League.org dot com, whatever, it all works, goes the same place and send us one, one Starbucks version of your caramel macchiato, which I love. Right. <laughs> so you said, uh, right to life league.org or com. Yeah. Not, right not the to right life to life. Okay. Gotcha. Right to life. Yeah, just okay. right to life league.org. 
Yeah, and that's it. And your money will go to help all of the, all of these pro-life clinic centers and homes through our programs that we that we give them. It's education and training, educating the public, um, going up to fight uh, legislation. I can't even tell you how many times I mean, we must have. 50 YouTube videos showing what we're doing and there's more coming. It's just, you know, okay. we're, we're small, but we are mighty. And that's what well, we're doing here in California to fight is, against people. That is just awesome. Uh, and we appreciate you informing us uh, about that organ your organization and how hard you're fighting um, for all these mothers. And you know what? It's great to see that. That is absolutely inspiring to see community rally around these mothers because that's really what they need, right? They just need that support. Is they just abortion. need support. We are not, we're really not going to end abortion really through legislation because yeah. there's always going to be the, like California is going to be the underground abortion, you know, the, the back alley abortionists. They're going to ship them all in. The way we do it is one-on-one. -on -one. We save the moms. Hopefully we, we get some, talk some sense to the dads too, right? Yeah. But we save those moms. We wrap our arms around them and we hug them. We say, it's a, going to be okay. Don't worry. We got this. Whatever your need is, whatever it is, there is going to be a solution. And it, there is no, look, there is no career that is worth another human being's life. There is no level of education that is worth another human being's life. There's no car fancy enough to take another person's life. So whatever the problem is, it doesn't matter. We will help you find a solution. That's what these pro-life clinic centers and homes do. They even, they offer kind of even family um, education and kind of life guidance and things where they, you know, minister to women and say, well, you know, uh, let's try this. Maybe they've got, she's got an abusive partner. All right. Some of them partner with nonprofit legal centers that can get them the legal skills and, and I, I should say services that they need, maybe get a restraining order or whatever it is to make their lives better, to help them with their education, get them back on track. So it's all these life skills and, and training and kind of like being a big sister come yeah. alongside us we will we will walk through step by step we'll show you the way you don't have to kill your baby so that you can have life too don't worry there's a way that, that we will make it happen that's what these clinics centers and homes do and they're under attack by a very very pro-abortion militant organization that is masquerading as as you know the abortion cartels and their minions are the the legislators that are you know paid to do this you know who are funded for it so that's why we have to keep them open so that they can big sister and partner and love these women and tell them it's going to be okay we can get you through this well, Susan, uh, I know we're running up against our time with you the, uh, this afternoon. Um, it's evening for us, but uh, afternoon where you are. So um, what would you like to leave us with? Oh, well, I want to just thank you for doing what you do and tell everybody we're in the battlefield and it is good and evil and life is winning. We are winning. There are already, what, 43, 43 uh, abortion clinics have closed in some of in the 11 pro-life states and just recently closed. And you got to ask yourself, now, if if abortion was just 3% of their um, services, which is what right. Planned Parenthood says, right? If it's just 3%, why would you close an entire shop over 3% reduction in business? Fuzzy hmm? math, huh? Yeah, it is. Well, that's common core math. That's what that is. So yeah, <laughs> exactly they're, they're, right. they're, the, the, the pro-life math says we're winning. We are winning. And, and we do it through love and being firm and active and standing up for the truth and loving on these women and saying we are going to, because it's individual, it's one-to-one, -one, but also standing up in our school boards, uh, at uh, town hall meetings, wherever it is to legislators and say, no, we don't want, we don't want a, a pro-abortion um, clinic in our 
in our city, not here. You want to go, go, go next door to the other city. No, it's not happening here. That's what we really need people to do is step up, go to their city councils and say, uh-uh, not here. We're not having it. We don't want it. You, cause you have to get licensed to open a, a you know, an abortion clinic in the city. You have to. So you got to, you got to stay on that, find out where it is and oppose it. Get 20 of your friends, right? Get, get in front of school boards, get in front of the, the town meetings, right? And then talk to your elected representatives and tell them we're watching what you do. We don't want this kind of stuff in our neighborhood. So if you're going to allow it, then guess what? Coming in November, there's going to be a referendum on you. Make it make it very personal for their professional success as legislators. They need to listen to you. So that's the activism. You're already there. You're on the battlefield. All you have to do is stand up and say it. Well, Susan, awesome. we greatly appreciate you being on um, the Right to Life League. You can find more information on that organization at righttolifeleague.org or righttolifeleague.com. Uh, Susan, God bless you. God bless you and that wonderful organization and all the, the great work that you're doing and how you are standing up from others uh, all over the, the, the state. And hopefully that gets contagious and it spreads throughout the entire country and moms get the more of the support they need and dads can be held accountable to be the fathers they should be. So man up. Up. we're man just going to right. them and have them man up too. We're going to love right. them tell them that you can be a good father and a good husband. You can make this, you can make the difference too. They actually need to lead, lead the way. They're not bad guys. Yep. They're just, they might be a little scared. So we're going to give them courage too. Cause they're good God, guys. Yep. God bless you. God bless all you beautiful souls out there listening this evening. We appreciate you more than you know, and God bless America until next time. Be safe and well, and have a great evening. God bless America. <laughs>